0: Listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I have Mark Nelson on with me today. Welcome, Mark. Hello. So Mark, tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, I'm I'm definitely a Christian. Sold Harley Davison's for the last 20 years of my life. And uh, play music, sing, and play bass guitar.
0: That's awesome. And I actually met Mark at a Harley dealership while I was on tour years ago. I can't even remember what year it was now, but kind of fun. <laughs>
1: It's, it's been uh, more than two.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been probably at least seven or eight. <laughs> Somewhere around <laughs> there, yeah. Pretty wild. So Mark reached out to me last year. Now, we are friends on Facebook anyhow, but he reached out to me last year and he told me that he felt like the Lord wanted him, wanted him to share this story with me. And he sent me this newspaper clipping. And... I've been wanting to get him on the podcast since then, but the timing didn't line up. And at the beginning of this year, I heard the Lord say, it's time now. You need to ask Mark to come on. And I was like, perfect. So just to give you a little foreshadowing of his story, the message he sent me was a big deal and so encouraging because the Lord had given me a word for the year and the word was resurrection and God had been speaking to me about resurrection. And this particular newspaper clipping that he sent me dealt with just that. So if that doesn't get your juices flowing to want to hear more, (laughs) I don't know what will, but I am so excited to hear the whole story. I've only heard bits and pieces. So tell us about it, Mark. What is your story?
1: Well, uh, it all started back in probably 1981, uh, August. I'd gone to a church camp, a camp called Camp Moon in Howie in the Hills, Florida. Being a typical 15-year-old kid, I was you know, all stoked about getting out and getting away from mom and dad and hanging out with the friends for a few weeks. Uh, we got up there, and, and this is where it kind of gets a little amusing. I find out that there is actually three girls to every guy there. (laughs) So me being a, a large kid at the time, I was actually 15 years old. and I was already six foot tall. Wow. I needed to try to show everybody that I was the alpha male there. So the first, first day we go by, everybody's getting good. We, we get all our bunks and everything. We have our service and dinner and stuff. Well, that night, Mark decided that he was going to pray to the Lord and ask him to show him love. And that's exactly what the way I phrased it. You know, being a typical 15-year-old in that situation, I was thinking something else. But what I asked was for him to show me love. Wow. Next day we get up, we do the exercise in the morning. We uh, are playing volleyball. We're running. About eleven o'clock, or a little bit before eleven o'clock, we decide you know they everybody's going into the swimming pool, and kind of cool off a little bit before lunch. Now the night before, there was a uh, a Vietnam vet that was talking to us that had lost both his legs. Oh wow. And uh, like I said, I was out there trying to prove to everybody that you know, I was the alpha. <laughs> and uh, we get in the pool, and we're tossing balls and frisbees around, and I start getting a pretty bad headache. So I go over to the side of the pool. And when I get to the side of the pool, that Vietnam veteran's sitting in his wheelchair next to the pool watching us all you know, play a fool and stuff. And I take a few deep breaths i was a certified scuba diver i was a red cross lifesaver i was actually supposed to be the lifeguard in the afternoon when we went back into the pool and one of my best friends kurt was the lifeguard at that time so, so I you go, were a super oh, strong swimmer i i was me and my dad actually had gone scuba diving the weekend before and probably went a good two miles through currents. You know, we had a pool in our backyard. I lived in the water. And uh I go over and I knowing that if I take a bunch of deep breaths, I what's called hyperventilate and go under the water and hold my breath for a real long time. And it was hot, so I went under the water. I'm rushing the, the way the water through my hair, just trying to cool off. And well. Technically, what I did was went into shallow water blackout. But
0: Now, what is shallow water blackout?
1: Shallow water blackout is when you're out of air and you have pressure on your chest. It'll actually make you pass out. And that's exactly what I did. I was on the bottom of the pool, blew all my air out, and just sat there for a while trying to relax. And I just passed out. (laughs) Not the thing you want to do underwater.
0: Not the thing you want to do underwater. That's for sure.
1: Well, like I said, there was like sixty other kids in this swimming pool, so there was a lot of motion going on in the water. Well, one of the girls had got up on the dive, gone through the line, got up on the diving board, and she told Kurt that I was underwater. Well, Kurt would, was a scuba diver also, and we would go diving together, and he's like, "Yeah, you don't have to worry about Mark under the water." Oh man. She dives in, gets out, gets back in line, gets back up on the diving board and says, Hey Kurt, Mark's still under the water. He's like, No, he's come out by now, or whatever he said. And third time she got up on the diving board and told him, Mark's under the water. He sends his brother Kurt over to kick me to get me to pop up so she could see I've been coming up and breathing. There I lay under the pool uh, on the bottom of the pool.
0: Oh, wow. So three times she went to the diving board. That gives you an idea of how long you were under there.
1: Right. And like I said, I was told that, you know, there was a line to the diving board. So they pull me out. They start CPR on me, mouth to mouth. They get a hold of the Eustace uh, 911. They send an ambulance out. They take me to the hospital. The hospital cannot revive me. They send me up to Shands University Hospital in Gainesville. They alert my parents, who since, you know, as kids were out at summer camp, they headed to the Keys. So I'm headed to Gainesville. They're down in the Keys. Wow. They get a hold of my parents, and they take immediately out, headed up to Gainesville. They get there at about 10 o'clock that night. When they get there, the doctors told them that, you know, I'm gone. I'm done. There's, yeah. there's absolutely nothing they can do that they're, they're keeping me alive at this point that they had taken brain scans and the amount of time that I was under, my brain had swollen and I was showing absolutely zero brain activity. Wow. And that brain cells do not rejuvenate. I didn't have a chance of ever being able to blink again And what they told my parents.
0: That is Crazy.
1: What was going on while my parents were on a mad dash up to Gainesville is all the churches that were there at the church camp got on the phone and they called all their churches. The pastors called the parishioners of all the churches and they started a prayer circle that extended from Georgia, Alabama, to Southern Florida. Wow. They started this at 11 o'clock at night. They had told my parents everything that had happened and that that there was no chance of anything ever, of ever coming to come back and get the body and claim the body in the morning. Wow. They had pushed me to the side. I was up against the wall with a sheet over my
0: head. (sighs) (sighs) They even put the sheet over you? Yes. So does that mean they had turned the machines off at that point?
1: Yes. Okay. I was I was pushed aside on inside of ICU. I was pushed up aside against the wall. Well, at 15 minutes after the prayer circle started, the dead kid covered up in the corner just sat up and <laughs> literally scared the crap out of everybody in ICU. I at shans at the time, there was four people per bed in ICU because it's a it's a university hospital. Yeah. And uh then what freaked them out more was that I turned my head and started talking. <laughs> <laughs> I I can remember the doctor one of the doctors there asking me, you know, if I knew who I was. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I gotta pee. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at me like, what? <laughs> well, they get they get my parents. My parents get to the hospital. They get a hold of them now, now everybody's freaking out because no one knows what's going on. My parents get there and uh we're talking, you know, and they're like, you know, doctors just aren't beside themselves. Yeah. And uh, I stayed one more night there at the hospital, still in ICU.
0: Yeah. The
1: the next day my dad's like, Oh, we're gonna go home. <laughs> and the doctor's like, well, you, you can't go home. And dad's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with them? And the doctor was extremely to the point where I can still hear it in my head all these <laughs> years later. He was dead, dead, sir. He wasn't a call. Co- he was dead. <laughs> and dad looked at him. He says, yeah. And God told him to come back. And the doctor's like, well, goes, you may not understand it. It might not comprehend in your head, but you're telling me my son's fine. You told me he's dead. Now you tell me he's fine. You didn't do anything. God did.
0: Amen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> walked out of the hospital it was for a long time and even when i talk about it today i feel the uh the the presence the joy of how i felt back then and it was literally walking off the ground 3 feet high in the air with the spirit of love and god and yeah. i understood i got my answer i then understood what love is yeah nothing to do with the 15 year old boy was thinking <laughs> <laughs> but what real love is yeah and wow. it was 100% god's will that i am here today
0: amen yes yes so did you experience any of what they call like the near death experiences while you were out or was it more when he brought you back?
1: No. While I was there, I seen, this is kind of interesting because I found out who it was later, but I seen a woman who I associated with mom, but it wasn't mom. Yeah. And it kind of confused me. And we had a little conversation and, uh, told me it was not my time that I had to go back and that they would see me soon. Wow. Which I thought would be a lot quicker than 40 some years, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was, that was the message. And literally I felt as if my feet raised up and I was sucked backwards through a tube. Wow. And that's when I, I come to under the sheet.
0: That is so amazing. So, who was the woman?
1: I later seen a picture of my grandmother when she was young.
0: I wondered if it was your grandmother.
1: And it was my mother's mother. And my mom, this is kind of interesting to the point, she is the youngest of 11 kids.
0: Oh, wow. I never seen
1: my grandmother when she was young. Yeah. When I was born, she was 66 years old. Yeah. She was born in 19, or 1899 so she was 66 years old when I was born she was old and gray. Wow. The one I was talking to was not. Yeah. Then I seen a picture on ah, that's her. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like that's who.
0: <laughs> I'm like that that's, that's who I thought was you. That's so amazing. So you described like that love and peace and presence you felt.
1: Oh, yeah. The best way I've been able to describe it through my life when I tell people about my story is if I felt imagine the feeling of the very first particle of light blasting out of one of those big sky beams (laughs) shooting up in the sky and how much power and how much support. That first particle has to be blasting out into space. I felt as if I could turn and uh, just crush the earth beneath my fingertips. And it's such peace that a thought like that would never occur to you. Wow. It was all peace, all power, all just harmony and everything. It, it it cannot fully describe it to the point where anybody who has an experience could could understand the magnitude of the feeling we have when we no longer have the restraints of this body.
0: Wow.
1: One of, the, one of the biggest things, and I don't know if it was because I drowned or not, but was the feeling that I didn't have to maintain this shell anymore. I didn't have to make my heart beat. I didn't have to take the next breath. Yeah. We don't realize what that taxes us on our soul to, to maintain this form. And when we're released into our real form and go back to where we're supposed to be, this is a relief and a burden we no longer have. It's a joyous occasion. It's a graduation. To be sad when someone passes, be sad for you and the loss you have. Do not be sad for them. Yeah. If they're a Christian, they have invited Jesus into their heart, they're they're experiencing something so, so much more than what we can explain, even comprehend while we're here. And we're already here time.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Even the time that seems long to us is a short time, really. Really is. Yeah. What you just said, you know, when people pass, that is, it's that balance, you know, it's like, it's sad for everyone back here because the people left behind have to miss that person. But, you know, I've heard people say, well, but what about that person? They were such a good person. Why did that happen to them? And I'm like, well, they're in a place where they don't feel any pain. They're in a glorious place in heaven. It's everyone back here that is hurting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Death doesn't hurt.
0: Yeah. You
1: no, know, uh, it's, it's just a simple thing. You're, it's a release. It's, uh, it's a graduation of the most glorious kind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not that anyone should go there before their time. <laughs>
1: I don't think you can. I don't think that you can, when it's your time, it's your time. And if it's not your time, the gun's going to misfire. It's going to fall out. You know, there's been many, many occasions. I, I had a heart attack and I have seven blockages next to my heart. They had to remove my heart to repair the, the veins and the arteries going into it. Wow. And here I am, (laughs) 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 you know, it's not my time yet. Wow. It's when it is, when we've done what we've come to do, when we've learned what we need to learn, I think that's when we go. And if he takes somebody who's young, I think they only had a couple of lessons to learn.
0: That's an interesting way to look at it. Sometimes, you know, the longer you live, the more things you need to unravel that the world taught you that God wants to unteach you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bet there's a lot of that, too. (laughs)
0: You know, yeah, because in some ways, I mean, God knits us together perfectly, right? But the world is a fallen place. So sometimes experiences affect the perfection that God created. And sometimes it's really an unlearning to relearn what God truly intended.
1: I think uh, the proverb was you you can't put anything in a full cup.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and there is that one verse in the Bible that does say that only the good die young because oh. they're too good for the world. You know, the world's a fallen place. And Ooh. yeah, so it it's interesting to look at that way. Yeah. One of my prayers is like, you know, I'm not afraid of death because I know where I'm going, but I'm like, Lord, I want to live out and complete all the things that I am meant to do in this world so that when I come home. I know that I have done all the things that you want me to do and I get to hear good and faithful servant. Welcome. You know?
1: Absolutely. And yeah, like I know I'm, I'm here for a reason. We figure it out in time when he's ready, (laughs) but you know, we, we all serve a purpose and he does have a plan for all of us. And part of my, is to reach out and let people know my experience. It had a profound, you know. Obviously, my sister seeing everything going on, you know, is is absolutely and you know in church three times a week and <laughs> <laughs> you know she's yeah. she's all out there fighting because she's actually seen it happen. Yeah, she was in school when I drowned. She wow. was in the ambulance going to the hospital. Wow. Yeah, you know, she she experienced the whole thing and seeing me laying there dead and then seeing me come through the door with a smile on my face.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of love that. The first thing you said to the doctors was I have to pee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is. And yeah. I, I did. I had to pee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like, bathroom. <laughs> you're like, I'm a teenage boy. I might've just gone to heaven and come back, but I have to pee. <laughs> you
1: no. Know? <laughs> he's, he's looking at me like can you walk and i'm like yes get out of my way <laughs> I <gotta> go, man. <laughs> oh my be- goodness 12 hours <laughs> you know because it literally we went we got in the pool at around 11 o'clock that morning and it was 11 15 yeah when i when i sat up
0: at night yeah
1: like, yeah 11 15 at night
0: I actually went back to what you originally sent me here because I remember that some of the timing was pretty awesome. Yeah. The Lord had been speaking to me about resurrection specifically from the verses about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Right. So I remember, I'm, I'm looking for it right now. Hold on a second. I can't remember how long, because they did CPR on you before you were taken in the ambulance. They did get your heart to work again, didn't they?
1: Uh no, they continued to, from what I understand. Now, obviously, this is just stuff that what I've been told is they continued to CPR to the hospital in Eustis, and then I don't know what was going on. You know, that's that's the end of where my sister was with. She didn't. They didn't take her up to Shans. She yeah. stayed there, uses with the with the pastors and the people that were there from the camp. But uh, you know, he he sent a a massive message to everybody that was at that church camp. So right. there was 60 people that, you know, absolutely had something happen in their lives that had changed their lives and how they, how they feel about God and, and how, you know, their faith is so much stronger after witnessing something.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, and here's one thing that I, I kind of I actually think I have an advantage over most people with is that where most people have a faith, some are strong, some aren't as strong as they should be, but most people have a faith in God. Yeah. I have a knowledge. Yes. I know this is not it. I know we go beyond this and it's a wonderful place. Yeah. and it's not anything. It's not a mansion full of gold or puffy clouds you're sitting on. It's it's completely different. It's it's undescribable, and I think those images were put forth because that was so undescribable to them at the time. Yeah. So, it's it's a different plane of existence.
0: Right. And it's
1: a wonderful, peaceful. You know the. All, you know, all the crap's gone. All yes. the pain, all the bills, all the jobs, all the everything, all the sore toes and bunions. and headaches, <laughs> It's just all gone. And it's yeah. a wonderful thing. And it's a peaceful thing. And it's yeah. a glorious thing.
0: Yeah. So going back to the timing. So <laughs> the story of Lazarus is in chapter John 11. And it's John eleven eleven, 11, where Jesus says to his disciples, now I will go and wake Lazarus up. So at the beginning of the chapter, he said, this illness that Lazarus has will not end in death. And then a few sentences down, Jesus tells the disciples, now I will go and wake Lazarus up. And that's John eleven eleven. So you drowned at 11 a.m. Right. And at 11 p.m. is when the prayer circle started. Correct. That's 11.11. Now I will go and wake Lazarus up. And then at 11.15 is when you sat up in the corner. Correct. And John 11.15 says, Jesus says in that part to the disciples that he is glad he wasn't there to save Lazarus before he died. Right. For, now, for now they will really believe
1: <laughs> well and that's that they did <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> because, was, uh, yeah
1: because connected to it didn't believe at 11 15 that, that there was god was something that just really happened
0: <laughs> right and how amazing is that you know and i've been when you sent me that's that, that I was going to say story, but that real life event in the newspaper article. And then you told me the timeline. I was like, whoa, because the Lord had been having me live in John 11 for a while and pray through it and all of these things. And here you are, 11 a.m., you drowned, 11 p.m., the prayer circle started. So 11, 11, and then 11, 15, you sat up. And just as Jesus said to the disciples, now you will truly believe, like you just said, everyone connected to it had to believe. I mean, would they have been amazed if you had been brought back on the side of the pool? Yeah, that would have been an experience like thank god. But what happened was a true miracle that no one could forget.
1: Oh yeah, it's, you know, every, when, you know of course we went back to the camp, you know, let everybody, you know, see that I was okay.
0: Yeah. You
1: no, know, and uh just That they had actually at that point, because everybody knew what, you know, I kind of changed the the theme of the church camp that year. (laughs) (laughs) Unintentionally, completely. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was was, uh, a definitely life-changing event for many of us. Yeah. If not all.
0: I can't imagine that it wouldn't have affected every person there in a life-changing way, even if at some point they fell away that the Lord would not remind them of that. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> I'd been doing this series on miracles, but I was like, we need to finish this series with resurrection.
1: <laughs> oh, there's, there's a good one for you. And like I said earlier, yeah, you, know, you, anybody who wants to verify can go to Shannon's university hospital It was the first week of August. I believe it was 81. It might have been 80, but I'm sure it's easy to find the drowning kid that came back to life.
0: Yeah, that's so amazing. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Mark. I so appreciate it.
1: Thank you for what you do and allowing people to share their stories so people can understand what lessons are there.
0: You know, it says, as I'm sure you know, that we overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And, you know, we overcome that way by sharing our own, but we also set others free because testimony is the prophecy of Jesus. It's prophecy. It says he will do it again. He's done it before and he will do it again. So every time, every time we share, it brings freedom you know and i just find that to be the most amazing and powerful thing you know that our experiences do that work of the lord
1: yeah he he has a an interesting way of letting things be known
0: yes yes he does so if you could leave the audience with one thought a piece of advice or just a nugget to take with them what would it be
1: believe in the power of prayer. Mm. No, this is not it. There is something much greater waiting for us
0: afterwards. Mm. Amen. So good. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on, Mark. And what do you think, listeners? What a way to end this series out, huh? Not that we're done talking about miracles, because testimonies, each of them are miracles in their own way. But I'm just excited to even know somebody who has been through this. I mean, come on, resurrection life. Thank you, Lord. So thank you for sharing your story, Mark. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Mark back to share this story with us. And thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. I hope that you have a wonderful week that is full of blessings, and I will talk to you next week.